ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Good morning. It is time to get up with the Warriors. Suddenly looking not so golden. So why does Draymond seem so certain you'll hear it from him? Meanwhile, the combine, the wheeling and dealing begins. We'll explain why the biggest move of all comes with the biggest risk imaginable. And then, if this is such a problem, why does everyone ignore the most obvious solution? We'll give it to you as we get up with you starting right now. It's a Monday, everybody. Let's go. Oh, Graziano's ready to go. The big fella is here. Monica McNutt has made it back live and in person. Austin Rivers will join us. Dominique Foxworth is ready to go this morning. Combine begins today, so lots of wheeling and dealing in the world of football. But we start with the hoops. Monica, let's run through some of the interesting action from this weekend. Suns-Lakers on ABC yesterday. Phoenix wins in the end. What was your biggest takeaway? Well, the Lakers are inconsistent, but we know that. But Phoenix might be turning a corner, and I know you still haven't seen all three of their big three. It's eerily reminiscent to what happened in Brooklyn, but I really like the way that Booker uh, and KD played yesterday. And Nurkic, Grayson Allen shooting a three? Come on now, Phoenix might be able to meet expectations. The, the, the Suns are a fascinating team. If they're at their best, they're probably as good as anybody, but it, they're also not as yeah. consistent as you'd like to see, partially because they never seem to all be together. Then the Nuggets played the Warriors last night, the defending champs. Oh, excuse me, I've got the Bucks first here. Bucks yesterday knocking off Philadelphia. What was your takeaway? This is what the Bucs are supposed to be doing. Post-game, I believe Giannis said that he put two the two wins together. They had a win over Minnesota on Friday. He likes the momentum of this team moving forward. Philly's depleted. The Bucs did what they were supposed to do. I feel bad watching Philadelphia. Yeah. They're just Without Joel Embiid, there's just not a fair fight. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if Milwaukee can put it together. Finally, as promised, Nuggets, the defending champs, knocking off uh, what had been a red-hot Warriors team. What is your sense of where Golden State is right now? I, I giggle a little bit at the notion of red-hot, Greeny. And I, and I get it. They, I, what was it, eight out of the last ten or something crazy? Yeah. But the Nuggets are still the Nuggets. And to me, I continue to go back to the size of the Warriors or the lack thereof. Like, Nikola Jokic has a handle on the game of basketball that is kind of, frankly, unmatched by anybody else in the league right now. And the Warriors, to your point, are small. There are good matchups for them and there are bad matchups. This is a bad matchup for them. But nothing changes the fact that Draymond Green has something to say. (laughs) And in this case, his outlook for this team's future, meaning this season, remains very optimistic. I 100% believe that we are legit title title contenders this season. I don't see any team out there that we couldn't beat. Obviously, the car has got to fall in place. Obviously, a lot of things got to go your way. Obviously, you need some luck. That's just the nature of winning championships. But I don't see any team in the NBA that we can't beat and compete for a title. And mama, we still got that man. <laughs> Well, we know who that man is, and he's still playing at an MVP caliber level. But is Draymond right? Can this team, <clears throat> the ball bounces the right way for them every now and again, can this team beat anybody? So, so Greeny, let's just make a formula here, hypothetically, right? Yeah, like, yeah. If, if this cup is our measurement, you're going to need, in the case of the Warriors in 2023, 
about 60% of the bounce and the luck, and then there's 40% of talent. <laughs> right. In years past, this team has had so much talent that you just need a little sprinkle of luck on top, like a little cinnamon, right? Right. I, I, I agree with Draymond in theory. He has the utmost confidence. He has been to the mountaintop. He understands it. But then you got that man who just recently told our very own Malika Andrews, we are average, and I believe you are what your record is. And so until we find some momentum to separate ourselves, you got to deal in the reality. But I have no problem with the confidence. In fact, I do think this is a team that can beat any team in the league on a game. Well, I have questions about series. That's right. On any given night. I agree with you on that. But we'll come back out here again because Monica is much nicer than I am. Can you bring the camera back out <laughs> to the table here? Because she's saying that they need this amount of luck. Here, hold on a second. Okay, we need more. The, no, 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 no. We're going to need that. We're going to need this <laughs> amount of yeah, luck. Yeah, no. We a need, lot of luck involved. Of staple it. I, I mean, I don't care. We need. I get it. The formula I, is, is it's I would have put luck. more water there. Yeah, we're going to need hand sanitizer. <laughs> I mean, we for the, the come on. The Warriors are very, 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 very fortunate to get out of the play-in. I, I'm agree. And here's the thing about the play-in. Last night, 9-10, they're sitting in that 9-10. You got to win two. You got to win two just to get to a series. And so, I, I listen, the thing that I agree with from Draymond in that sound is they do still have a gravitational force in the league in Steph Curry. But I think we will have the conversation about how far can Steph carry this team. I would be willing to flip it. How far can this team support Steph? And I'm not sure that we haven't approached a ceiling in terms of them this season. I think we have approached it. I mean, if, if you look at the three generational stars that we opened the show talking about sort of directly or indirectly today, you got Steph, you got LeBron, you got KD. I think of the three of them, if you had to bet on which one is going the furthest, furthest one I think you would say is Golden State, isn't it? W wouldn't you bet on the Lakers or the Suns to go farther? I, I would, and it goes back to size. I mean, if Nikolokic can give you tw Nick, oh, excuse me, Yosef, Yusuf Nurkic can give you 20-plus rebounds, there's size there, right? There's Devin Booker, who is probably the youngest of the stars that you would look at on this particular team. You look at last night, Steph goes one of ten, and, and like, that can't happen. He has to be extraordinary. Even if you go back to last year's series with the Kings, he averaged 37. He had that incredible uh, game uh, seven, I believe, in that series. So it has just required so much out of him, and you have questions about the supporting cast. So... Listen, cheers to Draymond. He's supposed to say all that. They're supposed to galvanize internally, and the rest of us can look at it. No, that's exactly right. What's Draymond going to say? Well, we really have no chance. But at the end of the day, I mean, his coach was the one who said last year when they got knocked out in the second round, we, we maxed yep, out. We maxed out. And, and mm -hmm. this team is better than that, but they're not that much better than that. And the, the conference is that much better than that. All right, we'll clean this area up here as we pivot to the NFL. Much more from the hoops as we go. But the entire league now descends on Indianapolis for the combine. And that means we might finally start getting answers to some of our big quarterback questions. And there are lots of them. The intrigue about the top three in the draft, of course, is at least partially where it will begin. You got Caleb Williams, you got Drake May, you got Jaden Daniels. We would assume those are going to be the top three picks in some order. We'll see how much, if any, actual on-the-field work they choose to do this week in Indianapolis. The combine is more interesting, to me at least, because it's where all the wheeling and dealing and discussion behind the scenes takes place. Will we learn anything about Kirk Cousins, about Baker Mayfield, about Russell Wilson? And then, of course, what feels like the biggest question of all, any day now will we hear word that the Bears are trading Justin Fields and resetting the clock with one of those rookies at the top? Which team would be vying for his service in the near future? It's an interesting question, and depending on how you want to slice it, you can make Justin Fields' case extremely effectively. If you look at his last 20 games, compared to the last 20 games for Lamar Jackson, who, oh, by the way, won the MVP this year. 
the numbers look startlingly similar. Now, the biggest number that, of course, isn't even remotely similar is that the Ravens won almost all of their games and the Bears most certainly did not. The point is, Justin Fields, in the eyes of some, has risen above what has been around him and made himself into an attractive trade candidate right now as we begin this week. I know you will be in Indianapolis beginning Wednesday. What is your sense of just how hot these talks may get so and how quickly? Yeah, I I think you're right that it could happen any day, but it doesn't need to, right? Ryan Poles, the Bears GM, is not like – He's not concerned about our rundown, right? <laughs> like, he's going to go through his process and be deliberate. He did this last year, and he went to the combine with the one pick and came out of it with, you know, the, the bones of a deal with Carolina that got done shortly thereafter. Now, if what, what we don't know is what they're going to do. Are they going to make the pick? Are they going to trade the pick and keep fields? Are they going to make the pick and trade fields? Those things need to be sorted out yet. And if they are trading fields, it could take a little longer than it took last year because – uh, he could have multiple teams interested. Fields is 24 years old. Uh, three years ago, he was he was a, a first-round pick. Uh, he's well-regarded as a prospect. Still a prospect, but well-regarded as a prospect. And I think there are teams that look at him, what he's been able to do so far, what his tools are, and would like to try and build around that. So if you have more than one of those, then you can play them off each other and get the deal you know, as high as you want. If you know you're going to sit tight at number one and make that pick, you could take it all the way up till the draft, I'm sorry to tell you. Graziano brought up an interesting question in our meeting, and I'm going to put it to you, Dominique Foxworth, as directly as I can. If you are a team that feels like you're a quarterback, feels away, and you trade for Justin Fields right now, do you say to yourself, that's it, we're a contender? Are you ready to say Justin Fields is ready to be that guy right now? Not based on what we've seen so far, and I'm a Justin Fields fan. I think a lot of his shortcomings up until this point can fairly be blamed on the organization more than him, but it doesn't matter. He's still kind of behind as far as development's concerned. He hasn't gotten a whole, a whole lot better, and honestly, we haven't seen him display some of the ability that he showed in college from the pocket yet in, in the league. He's a great deep ball thrower and obviously a great uh, running uh, quarterback also. But building an entire offense around that is something I think offensive coordinators should be excited about, but it's not something that we've seen happen just yet. What do you think, D-Wood? Are you, are you certain that we keep hearing Pittsburgh, we keep hearing Atlanta, those are the obvious ones, and there are always the not-so-obvious ones that pop up along the way. But we say, ooh, the Steelers are a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. Is Justin Fields ready to be that quarterback? No, no. His, his body of work has not said that. And I always say potential gets you fired, right? You know, the one thing with Justin Fields is you see the potential. You see it. Like, we've seen flashes of him being the type of player that can make a huge impact in this league. But the difference between players like Justin Fields and some of the, you know, the elite players is those guys do it play after play, game after game. So, after Justin Fields, whether he, whether he's in Chicago or whether he moves on, someone's going to have to develop him. Right. Someone's going someone's to have to have to get out of him the consistency that's necessary for us to be able to answer that question that you just posed. Right. If you're trading for Justin Fields, and again, we're down a hypothetical road. We don't know what the Bears are going to do. We think they'll probably stay put and and make the pick. But if you're trading for Justin Fields, you're trading for a lot. You have to, as Damian just said, develop him. He needs more coaching. He needs more development as a player. He is heading into year four of his rookie contract, which means we're coming up on the time where you have to decide whether and how much to pay him. And that is something you're also trading for as well. So I think it's 
it's a mistake to ask a question of like which contender is Justin Fields away uh, from being a championship team. I think there's more to it than that. Tremendous potential still, and we've seen the flashes of what he does that's great. But if you acquire him, you're still acquiring something akin to a project. Here's what else. Yes, a project, sure. But, Dominique, I would use the flip side of it, which is to say more young quarterbacks are ruined than developed. So if you just look at the draft in which he was selected, no one is saying, well, we're Zach Wilson away from going to the Super Bowl. No one is saying we're Mac Jones away. from. No one is saying we're Trey Lance away. And you could argue all three of those guys have been in better situations than than Justin Fields has been in. Certainly Trey Lance was drafted into a better situation. He got hurt. Zach Zach Wilson would be the – at least Zach Wilson's coach hasn't gotten fired. Right? I mean, (laughs) and, and he had the opportunity to have Aaron Rodgers with him. Uh, you, you want to you want to say it's one or the other, but 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 no one is putting right. Zach Wilson's numbers up there next to Lamar Jackson's numbers that, and that saying true. you know they don't look so bad. <laughs> Zach Wilson looks like a guy who's probably going to be who's pro league next year. My point is Justin Fields has risen above trying circumstances right. and at least made himself a person, Nick, who's in these conversations. Oh yeah, I think I think the the Bears probably would have stayed with him if it wasn't for the fact that Caleb Williams and Drake May are such highly tier suspects. I don't think that Justin Fields has been a bust by any stretch, but I do think that he has not been a, as good as we anticipated him being. And showing these flashes, I think, and I started this by saying I would put more responsibility on the Bears than I would Justin Fields for how Fields his career has turned out so far. But that doesn't change the fact that we rarely see. Guys who are like highly touted future like MVP caliber talents come into the league and then move to another team and then become that version of themselves. It's not something that we see routinely. So we see whether it's his fault for having the career start off as poorly as it was or the Bears fault. The fact of the matter is we are in a situation where the early part of his career is still promising is the nicest thing we could say about it. Right. And if you're getting him, it's irrelevant. You, I mean, you're, you're not spending time on it. Well, the Bears didn't treat him. Like, you have to accurately assess what he's good at, what he needs work on, and, and can we do it? Can we make that work? And can he be a franchise guy for us? And by the way, the answers to those questions are tied up in the price it's going to take to get him. You may not be as willing to pay what the Bears want if you think you're getting a project as opposed to a plug-and-play. We'll talk more about him as we go, but we know there's one thing he unquestionably can do. I think he's the second-best running quarterback in the NFL behind Lamar Jackson. Absolutely tremendous. Start there and go from forward from that. As we continue, did Jerry Jones' decision on Dak Prescott, did it just get a whole lot easier this weekend without a game having been played or a word having been said? Sneaky, huge news you cannot miss. Plus, is Russ being ridiculous? The quarterback has made some comments about his future. You have to hear to believe. Does he believe them? We'll find out next. Get up on ESPN. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Unleash more possibilities with cutting-edge systems, their most advanced features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to state-of-the-art technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Anniversary savings await 
you for a limited time only at dell.com slash deals. That's dell.com slash deals. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Get Up is brought to you by FX's Shogun, February 27th on Hulu. All right, it's Overreaction Monday with Dan Graziano. Let's go, Graz. If I were to say Devontae Adams is the <coughs> missing piece for the <coughs> Jets, is that an overreaction? Unless he can play offensive tackle, then I would say yes. It is an overreaction. Look, I mean, great to have Devontae Adams uh, with Garrett Wilson. I think that would look really cool. But the Jets' top priority this offseason has to be fixing that offensive line. It doesn't matter who you have at receiver if your quarterback doesn't have time to get them the ball. If I took out the word the, Damian Woody, and I said it's a priority, should Devontae Adams be a, we all understand they need offensive line. I get it. We're signing you. I need you to start getting in shape. We need you that badly. And because candidly right now, the second best option is me. So we need you to get wrong. But should the Jets be really seriously going after Devontae Adams? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, we, we saw – anyone who watches just know that outside of Garrett Wilson, what do they have on the, on the perimeter? Mm. They don't have anyone on the perimeter. So bringing in, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, best friend from Green Bay, where they had so much success together, it would make so much sense for that offense moving forward. Neek, Garrett Wilson on one side and, uh, and, and Devontae Adams on the other. What do you think as a corner? Oh, yeah, nightmarish for uh, corners. You're not getting any help. At least one of you is not getting some help, and that's going to be trouble out there. But you're going to have to rely on that defensive line, which I got quite familiar with in Baltimore. Suggs, you better get him because I can't cover him for that long. <laughs> they need, not those they two. need the offensive line help. Yeah, also, they, somebody have to change your number, too. Like, that's a big deal, right? The Garrett Wilson. Well, you Garrett, Garrett, Garrett Wilson going to five, Nick. Just, oh, okay. All right. There you go. That'll, That'll work out yeah. perfectly, yeah. And, and, uh, and we'll see what happens. All right, they next already one. already laid the groundwork. Next. Overreaction. Uh, Graz, if I said Dak Prescott will get a $60 million contract this offseason, is that an overreaction? Yes, this offseason, yes. I, I think something interesting happened late last week. Uh, the salary cap was announced at a considerably higher figure than any team was anticipating. Most teams I talked to were budgeting around $242 million. It came in at $255. So that's the first thing in this process that has actually helped the Cowboys leverage. I'm not saying suddenly they can carry a $59.5 million cap hit for Dak Prescott, but it becomes $13 million easier if that's, in fact, where they're stuck. 
So, yes, I, I don't think... I don't think it's going to be easy for the Cowboys and Dak to get to an extension this offseason, given all the other factors. Okay, so then in the interest of time, I want to get to the third one directly because I want to make sure everyone has time to hear this because it might be, some people might think, it's the ultimate overreaction. Russell Wilson turning a lot of heads with his most recent comments on his future. Listen to this. I got more fire than ever, honestly, especially over the past two years of what I've gone through. Whether if it's in Denver or somewhere else, I, I hope it's in Denver. I committed there. I wanted to be there. You know, I want to be there. For me, it's about winning. Over the next five years, I want to win too. I want to feel the chill of that trophy again. I want to win more Super Bowls there. You know, I, I love the city and everything else. But, you know, you also want to be a place that, that wants you too. So that's, um, you know, I don't know. That, that struck me as some words. an interesting yeah. collection of words it to was. speak in the order in which he chose to speak them. Do you want, do you want I'm looking at your face. I'm trying to read it here. What, uh, talk to me. Can he crawl before he walk? I mean, like, like, literally, like, over the past, and listen, <laughs> over the past three seasons, two organizations have basically given up on Russell Wilson. Yeah. The Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. Yeah. So before we talk about Super Bowls, let's just try to find some stability in your game first. Before we talk about, you know, hoisting Lombardi. And why, why two? Why, why two out of five? I, I, that that, that Meaning, seems so random. You think he should? Two out of five? You think he should be happy with one? Or, or he should be thinking? I don't know. Five? I just like, I'm listening. I'm like, Dominique, what prompted him to say two out of five? Nick, what do you think of the two out of five of it all? I mean, go five for five. Why not? Why right? are you going less than or – yeah, that's what confuses, confuses me. Like, if either you're going to go the Damian Woody route and say, well, I'm just trying to reestablish myself as a starter, or I'm about to win five in a row. Next team that picked me up is getting a Super Bowl championship every year from now until I retire. That's what I would have said. I mean, he's playing for, for uh, league minimum coming up here pretty soon. So, uh, he'll be a great fit on any team that wants to put a, a really talented roster around him. Let's establish that point here. Yeah. B because the Broncos have to pay him the, what is it, $39 million? $39 million. Mm. Whatever happens. And then whatever team he goes to, it just becomes offset money. He's not getting paid anymore. Right. Unless Damian he gets, Woody. Unless he gets 40. He's 30, which strikes me as quite <laughs> unlikely, right? Happen, yeah. So he's 36 years old, do we decide he is? 35? 35, about like to be 36. If you were told you could make the exact same amount of money and either play or not play, at that stage of your career, it doesn't change the money. What would you do? I'm taking that money and I'm going, I'm going to the house. I'm going to the house, man. I mean, <laughs> listen. Deuces. I'm right? going to absolutely. You, you mean to tell me an organization, I, the organization got to pay me $39 million and I don't have to subject my body to that punishment? Man, please. I'm going right to the house with them seven kids and I'm chilling. Me? That's what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, I think Russell has other concerns because, like, he, he was on the Hall of Fame trajectory, and I think that maybe he wants to go out there and kind of reestablish himself as a great quarterback. Maybe that's his motivation, but I'm with D. Wood. Like, we, we chilling, man. We going on vacations. I'm going yeah. wherever Greeny go whenever he's not hosting a show, where all the rich people go. <laughs> exactly. What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm with these guys, obviously. I mean, it, it, you know, if somebody wanted to pay me $39 million to not work, you wouldn't hear from me for a whole year. That, that's, that's understandable. <laughs> but look, what's going on with Russell Wilson, right? Like, 
You can sign him for something like $1.3 million. The Broncos would then get that refunded from their $39 million. So there's no reason for him to sign for more than that because you're just doing Denver a favor, and I'm sure he doesn't want to do that. Right. March 17th is the date by which they have to release him, or else his 2025 money, which is another $37 million, becomes guaranteed. Obviously, they don't want that. So sometime in the next couple of weeks, we'll be having a conversation where we'll say, Russell Wilson is now free to sign with any team. Where should he go? If he could just hold off, like not answer the phone, he could wind up getting $76 million to not <laughs> right. play on March 18th. <laughs> you want to talk about the American yeah, dream? It's AT&T. All right, as we yeah. continue, after what happened on Saturday, should they put a stop to this? Jay Billis is going to join us, and I'm going to offer the obvious answer. If this is a problem, the solution is simple. I'm not sure why we continue talking about it. You'll hear it now. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. We are back on Get Up, and at the bottom of the hour, we now get to the topic that dominated the conversation so much of this weekend, and it all stemmed from this scene that we saw at Wake Forest on Saturday night in a game that you watched on ESPN as the Deacons upset eighth-ranked Duke, although to call it an upset is a bit of a misstatement because they were actually favored to win the game. One way or another, Duke's star player, Kyle Filipowski, Injured his knee in a collision with a fan. And as you see here, he required some assistance getting through the chaos into the locker room. And it goes without saying that this is a terrible set of circumstances. Filipowski had a variety of postgame comments in which he said, among other things, uh, this has got to change. And it's a topic that comes up from time to time. And to the everlasting credit of our friend Jay Billis, who joins our conversation now, Jay is one of those people who talks about this even on the days it hasn't just happened the day before, uh, but he was doing the game the other night. And, of course, Austin Rivers jumps in here with us as well. Austin played at Duke. It feels like practically every time a court is stormed, it is because Duke is lost. Uh, Monica McNutt in the conversation with us, and Dean Wood is with us as well. I'm just saying, I mean, that's the people storm the court because Duke is Duke, and they beat you. And then, and then here's Damian Woody. I wanted him in the conversation because this happens in football too, and we see – images that could potentially be dangerous and there's part of it that is fun and exciting and wonderful and then there is the other side of it where Kyle Filipowski the best player on one of the best teams in the country may be injured so Jay Billis I'll start with you again you were there you've been talking about this for years what are your top line thoughts on this morning 
Well, I mean, it goes back to what I've been saying all this time. It's fans don't belong on the court. And fans may not want to hear that, but it's true. And while this does happen in college, it doesn't happen in the NFL. It doesn't happen in the NBA or Major League Baseball. Uh, and it's easy to stop. But the truth is, Greeny, I mean, I, I, I'm happy to talk about this with you, but it's really kind of pointless because it's not going to stop. The NCAA doesn't want it to stop. And by the NCAA, I mean the member institutions. They like it. They like the visual. They take pictures of it. They put it up all throughout their institution in their locker rooms. They use it in recruiting. And the truth is, like, the media has to take some accountability here, too. We like it, too. We put it at the end of every highlight. We tacitly encourage it. And when South Carolina won a big game earlier this year, the president emeritus of the university ran out onto the court and bragged about it on social media. And all these institutions say, we're happy to pay the fine. They're happy to pay the fine for that visual. And it could all stop tomorrow. You know, you hear administrators say, look, it's too difficult. It's problematic to stop fans from rushing the court. Well, they don't have to stop them. All they have to do is don't let them off the court. You can ring the court. There's law enforcement there. Uh, detain everyone. Give them either criminal citations or arrest them. And it all stops tomorrow. But they don't want to do it. They like it. They like it. Austin, let me come to you again. You played at Duke. I, I, I have to, I, I don't off the top of my head recall it, but there must have been games in which your team lost a road game and people did this. Can you, can you describe what it's like? I mean, when, when you're on the court and all of a sudden just a, 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 a seemingly never-ending stream of strangers are just racing out there uh, into your face, what, what is the actual experience like? Yeah, it's never fun, uh, especially when you're, you know, you're on the other side of that. We actually lost the game versus Temple uh, in which they stormed the court. And when that's happening, the first thing you're thinking is, I just want to get out of here before I come face to face with the fan. You got to think, we're talking about young men here. These aren't grown individuals. So, and neither are the kids rushing the floor. When you have that mixing, especially on the other side, you look at, say, a player for Duke. This is a kid who just had a loss. Emotions are high. It's a bad combination of things that could possibly happen. There's, no, there's nothing good that can come of it other than a picture that's being taken or, you know, the kids jumping up and down on the court. Somebody, the fact that we haven't had more injuries in the past is actually even more strange, uh, just considering you have a bunch of fans steamrolling each other, running onto the court while the other players are trying to get off the court. It is scary uh, just because you don't know who you're, you know, you're going to run into. And fans things as they run by you, you know, celebrating their win. It's, it is a very dangerous thing. You know, the answer to it, I don't know. You know, it'd be very hard to, you know, I agree with Jay. They don't belong in the court, just like we don't belong in the stands. I don't know how you fix it, you know, and I don't know how you could arrest so many kids. I mean, there are hundreds of them. Um, but something does have to change because it, it, it's just not safe. Monica, what do you think of all this? So I guess I'll be accountable media here. I don't have an issue with it. And I certainly hope that Filipowski is not injured intensely. But I do think that this is a part of college uh, sports. And I think there's room to adjust, address maybe how it's done. I don't know. In my mind, like maybe there's one side that kids come from so that the, the away team has a chance to get off the floor. There's all these tweaks that I would hope maybe something that could be explored before it was completely eliminated. So Seth Greenberg, who's going to join us later this morning, was going to point out that there is exactly that, that when he was at Virginia Tech, for example, they had plans in place for how the players were going to safely exit. And I've heard Coach K, Jay, talk about this in the past, that they had an area where players were going to go. But in this particular case, the game was still, I mean, it really was over. There was one second left, but the players were still on the floor. It's one thing if the players are on their bench, they can probably get off pretty quickly. 
But there are going to be players on the floor until the buzzer hits zero, That, regardless of who the players are. In this case, it happens to be the star of the team. D. D Wood, we see it in football, of course, all the time. We see the same kind of images where, you know, by, by, by the time we're 60 seconds removed from the end of a big college football game, that field is completely saturated with people. What is your take on all this? Yeah, I mean, look, listen, first of all, the, the, that imagery is never going to change mm. because it sells. That's number one. But I do, but I do agree that I don't think it's a bad mix, in my opinion, because as Austin talks talks about, like in the sport that I play in football, it's such an emotional game, okay. And so when you lose a game like that, I know in the pros, like it's hard for me to contain my my emotions after a loss because you just feel it so bad. And remember, we have like. You know, before the media meets with you, you have like a, a you know a buffer time cool just so you can here. right, cool just so you can decompress. Right. So now, you know, I can't even imagine like a college college athlete where you you know immediately you lose a heartbreaking game and the fans come storming on the field. Someone hits you, then that's a, you know to me that's a combustible moment right there where something bad happened. We brought it up in the in the meeting this morning, Gary Blunt. You yep. know when when he played at the University of Oregon. Where he threw a you know threw a punch at, at a fan, so I, I just I I don't like it, but it's not going to change. Listen, th th this is not. I I'm going to go back to what Jay said. This is an easy problem to solve if you want to solve it, which is keep the people off the court. If you want, you can tell the fan. Th th it's not that complicated. I was a student once, and we I went to Northwestern, and we beat Indiana when they were the national champs, and I think I might have been the first person who ran out onto the court. But if I had been told, when the game is over, there's a ring of security, We'll let you know when you're allowed out there, but it, we're, there's going to be a period of time where the players are allowed to get off the court, and then if you want everyone to be allowed to go run out there, give it 30 seconds or whatever it is, then go ahead. And if you, if you go through that security, there will be consequences, whether they are legal consequences or you know school suspensions or whatever it is. If you want the fans to be allowed on the court, I don't have an issue with that, so long as it does not jeopardize the safety of the people who actually belong on the court. So, Jay, to me it seems to be a, a fairly simple situation where you say, let the players get off, and then if you want everyone to come on, they can come on. Does that, is there something I'm missing? Does that not just make sense? It makes sense, but we're planning, we're trying to plan something that we've thought has been spontaneous all these years. And, you know, we just have a problem here. It, it, look, to Austin's earlier point about things not happening in the past, and that's a miracle, there have been serious injuries that have occurred in the past, uh, especially to fans. It's a dangerous condition and a dangerous situation. And what happened uh, at the Wake Forest Duke game was not only foreseeable, it was predictable and inevitable. And something worse is going to happen in the future. And we showed a lot of that in slow motion. That didn't happen in slow motion. So when you have a bunch of people running, if you're Kyle Filipowski, you have a bunch of people running at you, the first thing you're thinking of is protect yourself. And that's combustible. Uh, it, look, it's a dangerous condition. The first thing the NCAA and all these ADs and all that, they talk about player safety. Do they really care about player safety if we're doing this? And, and Austin may remember this, uh, you know, because you mentioned Duke uh, oftentimes, you know, is subject to court storming games. There have been times when the coaches have sent the majority of the team off the floor before the end of the game. 
Right. And, and they just leave the five players out there to mop up. And is that what we want? Um, it's clearly not. Look, fans are part of the atmosphere. They're great. The, the, the games wouldn't exist without fans. It's terrific. They do not belong on the field. They do not belong on the court. And certainly they don't belong there when the players are there. Just, it, it, it's wrong. And if the NCAA doesn't admit that it's wrong, uh, it, it's so contradictory to the message they send about, oh, players are number one and player safety is number one. That's clearly not true based upon their behavior. Go ahead, Austin. And I was going to say, there is a reason why it also doesn't happen in sports. If a whole bunch of player, a whole bunch of fans rushed, you know, the court in the NBA game, one of them would probably get punched. Uh, it's just the reality of what it is. The reason we do this is a college thing. This is a kid's thing. And now we're sitting here trying to organize chaos. It's something that's very difficult to do. Again, this is a high emotional thing, especially in college. You have the spirit. People have a lot of pride in their alumni. People have a lot of pride in their schools. Uh, I, I think it's part of the experience for the, kid, uh, the kids to run on the court while the opposing team's still down there. They want to run past these people and say something to them. I, I wish there's also a standard for when we rush the court. Rushing the court after you were favored to win uh, is kind of funny to me, but I get it. You know, you beat a Duke, you beat a Kentucky or Kansas, one of the Blue Bloods. You're probably going to have this, uh, the, you know, the court storm. This is just for me, it's an issue when you have thousands of people running to the court while you're trying to have your athletes leave the court safely. I know it's a part of the sport, but the question is, should it be? And we haven't had that many issues in the past, but we have some Jay has appointed to, but I don't like this at all. And this has nothing to do with it being a Duke thing. This has to do with the college athlete thing and what's good for their safety. So listen, I, I get it. And I think we all agree that it's maybe not the best formula, but the only option moving forward that it seems that we all can probably agree on is to attempt to organize this chaos. For whatever reason, we have all agreed that it is probably unlikely to change. And so how do you do your best to mitigate risk? Of course, it's not ideal. It is absolutely not ideal. But if Jay's solution is to be taken seriously, I almost think that that would cause more of an issue at the idea of parents seeing their kids uh, facing criminal charges over something like this. Like, I, that, I get it in terms of it needing to be taken that seriously. I think we all agree it probably will not be taken that seriously. But then I think you tap into a whole nother set of donors and folks that are going to be like, wait, what, you're going to do X, Y, Z to these young people for being enthusiastic? So listen, the best thing in my mind moving forward is to do the best you can to attempt to organize this chaos if it is not going anywhere. D. Word, you got a final word? Yeah. Again, I'm just going to follow up in, in, in a highly emotional point. You know, in that moment, I just think fans and players is a bad mix, especially when you're talking about you know, young young women and young men in, in that moment. I just think it's a bad mix. Yeah, and, and, and let's very quickly, because it should not go unaddressed, let's address the stupidest among us, the people who are on social media after Caitlin Clark got knocked down or after Kyle Filipowski gets knocked down, blaming them, suggesting that they're flopping or something like that. Th these are people who belong where they are, who are being run into or whatever the case may be by people who absolutely do not belong where they are. Like this moment for example, people suggesting, oh, Caitlin Clark was faking that to make it look worse than it were. Shut up. That is and if you're pointing at that Kyle Filipowski looks like he was being aggressive, you know what? If I'm where I'm supposed to be, and you could, well, I'm a bad example of this. If yeah. you're where you're supposed to be, and someone has come running at you, and you have no idea what their intentions are, you're going to do exactly what he did also. So if you were one of these absolute morons on social media who are suggesting this was Kyle Filipowski's fault 
or instigating whatever it is that happened with this kid who went running out onto the court after him, just be aware that you are an idiot and everyone around you knows you are an idiot. So I, 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 that just needed to be said once, and then we'll go from there. All right, I'll take a break. Jay, you'll come back with more of this a little bit later as we continue. With LeBron and Steph's careers closer to the end than the beginning, who has the best chance to be the next face of the NBA? I'll run down the list as we continue. It's Get Up on ESPN. Back on Get Up, let's check out who had some serious flavor last night. Brought to you by Hidden Valley Ranch, Spurs, Jazz, Monica. How about Victor Wembanyama? Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> listen, I cannot imagine the pressure that Victor came in. I can remember us having the draft lottery in Chicago and the comparisons to LeBron. And for him to be doing stuff like this, a 5-5 five and five game already, Greeny? Like, it is just mind-blowing what he's up to. Well, it, it, it brings to mind this question. We've talked a lot this week about who the faces of the NBA are because we're coming to the end of an era here. LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. They are the defining faces of an era of professional basketball. And each of them, of course, is much closer to the end of their career than they are the beginning. So today's green list are the top five players, in my view, who are in line to become the next face of the NBA. At number five, I will put Wembanyama. Now, it's obviously much too early to say he's going to be good enough to deserve that. But clearly... He seems to have a lot of things going for him. The ridiculous size, the ridiculous skills, the ridiculous hype. I, I don't want to put additional pressure on him by saying, oh, by the way, you need to be the face of the league. But there's no obvious reason why he can't be both in the United States and in particular internationally. At number four, I'm going to put John Morant. And I understand there are people who are going to look at this askance. John Morant is a young person who has made a lot of mistakes, but he remains a very young person. And he remains, in my opinion, as watchable as any player on the planet today. If John Morant comes back healthy and gets things moving in the right direction, I still believe John Morant could become as big a star as we have in the entire world of basketball. And number three is a man who says he wants the title, and that's Jason Tatum. Right now, he's... He's the best player on what might be the best team, certainly right up there. And he's got the game, and he's got the charisma, and he's got everything going for him, I think, except for the big wins. He needs to be the best player in the NBA Finals, and I think he stakes a legitimate claim to being an MVP and to being the face of the league. But the top two, I think, are the obvious ones. Luka Doncic, D. Wood was telling me earlier, he was at the game where Luka was at the Garden. In every game, Luka does something that makes you absolutely marvel at his ridiculous talent. His, he is spectacular to watch. He is box office. And he's actually playing a little defense at this point as well. And his team is sneaky good. And then at number one, I'm not even sure I should be allowed to include him because I think Giannis already is the face of the league. Giannis was the leading vote-getter for this year's All-Star Game. I think he is already right alongside LeBron and Steph as the biggest star in the sport. And he's got the smile, and he's got the charisma, and he's got the personality. I think Giannis is already right there as the face of the NBA and clearly stands as the one who will inherit this league from LeBron and Steph and KD someday. So there's my list. Giannis followed by Luka. 
Tatum, John Morant, Victor Wembanyama. Let's get the opinion of the group here. And I wanted to get D. Wood in as well because he's a huge basketball fan. But Austin Rivers, I'll start with you. Next face of the NBA, what do you think of the list? Solid. Uh, You know, the Giannis one is is interesting just because he's damn near 30. Uh, and if we're going to put him on the list, then you'd have to put like a Nikola Jokic, who's, who's also 29 years old. Um, and he has been one of the faces of the league, you know, for sure. But if we're talking about future and the face of the league, one, you can't have a list without Anthony Edwards, brother. We got to put Ant on that list. He deserves to be. We talk about personality and an infectious type of guy that people just want to like him. That's him. He's also must-see TV. He has the whole game. When I talk about a face of the NBA, I talk about the style of play in which they play, too. When we talk about iconic players, LeBron James, the Kobe Bryant, the Michael Jordans, the fadeaways, the passes, they have hops. Their game is flashy. They have a little bit of everything. Ant plays on both sides of the ball. Now, when I look at face of the NBA, I put him up there. I put him at number two, actually. But number one is Victor. Victor's the face of the league, man. We put it out there as the press. We've covered him more than anybody. He is the guy. He's playing well. He just signed a Louis Vuitton deal. The only other guy that has that is LeBron James. <laughs> Everything that we're pushing with him, he's the guy. <laughs> very, very Victor. Good comments. Very quickly on Jokic. I would include Jokic, but he doesn't seem to want any part of it. Nikola Jokic doesn't seem he doesn't seem to want any part of it. Right? Yeah. I mean, Nikola Jokic yeah. seems it almost seems nah, like basketball just... is getting in the way of things he'd otherwise <laughs> rather be doing. Um, Edwards is a good one. The Everything only thing they'll say is horse races. Minnesota's been the best team in the league the whole year, and no one is paying attention. He can walk down the I'm street. I'm not no one. I'm paying attention, but I feel you. Well, yeah, I mean, you know what I mean, though? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't get the same level of attention. Now, maybe that's our fault. Maybe it's the market he plays in. I don't know. And D. Wood wanted to bring up another name. Yeah, I, I, I think you, man, SGA, Shea Gilgis Alexander. <laughs> like, for me, Granny, I was watching that young bull against – that Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah. I saw him giving Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that work out there. That, and that was like my first time sitting down and really watching. I'm like, damn, this dude can <laughs> ball. And he, and like, he leads the league in steals. Yeah. Like, for, and, and again, it goes back to your point, which you're talking about Anthony Edwards. He plays in Oklahoma City. Yeah. So not a lot of people really want to talk about the Thunder, but that man, to me, deserves to be on this list. He's a very laid back. He's very laid sort, back. Right? Yeah. He's very laid back. And everything that OKC does is about the team. Like, they literally grab one another to do interviews together. So he's very laid back. Now, I got a little bit of a dark horse. And hear me out, because I think Austin made a great point about style of play. Yeah. But there's this guy in New York. And New York has been clamoring for a point guard for forever. And if you look at his numbers, usage, efficiency, Jalen Brunson, to me, he's a guy that says all the right things media-wise. He's in New York. The question marks around point guard have been so big in New York. Now, granted, the Knicks got to continue to have more success, and he just got his first All-Star. But quietly, in terms of a story that's relatable, in terms of a guy that doesn't wow you with his athleticism like the other guys on this list, I think that there's a dark horse candidate for a case for that. I think he should have been an All-Star starter. I voted for him for that. I think he should have been that. I don't know about face of the league, but to each his own. I think Austin kind of got me with Edwards. I think Anthony Edwards under the right, they need to make a deep playoff run so the world is, is, is in tune to how special that kid is. He also plays every night. I like Anthony Edwards. That, that may be the one I overlooked. Of the list, though, Greeny, I think right now it's Tatum, personally. And I hear Austin on Wimby, but I think it's Tatum right now. All right, we'll see. We're going to see some of these guys coming up Wednesday night. We got Tyrese Halliburton. He's another terrific young player that we will see. Uh, his Pacers hosting Zion and the Pelicans. And then we will see LeBron and Kawhi, the Battle of L.A., Lakers and Clippers. Great hoops Wednesday night here on ESPN. Meanwhile, more hoops as we continue. The Warriors suddenly looking not so golden. 
So why does Draymond seem so certain? You'll hear from him next. Get up on ESPN.